don't be in it for the money. There's nothing wrong with making money. Money is how we pay our bills and fund our, our lives. But if you're not passionate about what you're doing, you won't last for one thing. It'll just wear you out. I don't feel that my work is work. When I get up and come to the office in the morning, I'm excited about the day. I can hardly wait to see what the new day holds for me. Let's get dialed in with the movers, the shakers, the people that make things happen in this great city. You're listening to Entrepreneur Montgomery. Now, here's your host, Joe Bass. If you've lived in Montgomery for more than a few months, then my next guest needs absolutely no introduction because you already know her. She's known in Montgomery as the hat lady. Her colleagues call her the rainmaker. She's been in the real estate business for over 30 years, leading one of the most technologically advanced real estate companies in the River Region. She's a networking master. She's helped thousands find amazing homes in beautiful historic areas, and she is the perfect example of how to focus on a market and then go out and dominate that market. Today, we are talking to the CEO and founder of the Hat Team, Sandra Nichols. Sandra, thanks so much for being here and welcome to the show. My pleasure, Joe. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. So today, you're going to be sharing some of the things that have made you really successful here in Montgomery. Tell us a little bit about you, Sandra, the person, and also Sandra, the owner of the Super Successful Business. Well, as a, I'm just a plain old person like everybody else. I am not a Montgomery native. I grew up in a suburb of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And my husband, as a young airman, received orders to Maxwell Air Force Base. That's how we happened to discover Montgomery. And the wonderful part about the discovery was learning that you didn't have to be miserable all winter. (laughs) And that really initially was what drove our decision to stay here when he finished his uh, enlistment in the Air Force. That's fantastic. So how cold did it get where you're from? Oh, we'd have below zero, not Mm. a lot of it, but enough. The Mm. big problem with a climate like St. Louis is that you get inclement weather, and because it's a river city, typically it's ice, but not enough for the the city to justify a significant investment in equipment to deal with it. (laughs) Right. So unlike living further north where it's just, you know, oh, well, it's cold and it's snowy and it's icy and it's whatnot – St. Louis, just like Montgomery, when there's inclement weather, is absolutely paralyzed. Mm. And the commutes are much longer in St. Louis than they are in Montgomery. I could imagine. Well, Sandra, one question I like to ask is, what's one of your favorite quotes? Oh, my goodness. A favorite quote. You know, I don't know that this is a quote. My favorite phrase is, I choose to live my life as if every moment matters. I love that. All right, so... Here's the next question for you, Sandra. As a person living in this football crazed state, I just have to ask you, do you yell War Eagle or Roll Tide? Oh, I'm going to disappoint a lot of people, (laughs) except when they're playing one another, I yell both. Okay. Because I love this state and I love our football team. But down to the bedrock truth, when they play one another, I generally pull for Auburn. Mm-hmm. I was really conflicted this last year right. because I knew an Auburn win could cost Alabama the championship, and mm-hmm. Auburn was no longer a contender. Right. But my heart goes to that little college just right up the road. Well, we'll give you a pass on that since you weren't born here in uh, Alabama. But I think that's a pretty good answer. Well, and it's the truth. We love everything about Alabama. 
well, almost everything. There, you know, every every area has its issues. Of course. But we're very, very supportive. All right. So it's been a really long day. You've been working really hard. Do you choose El Rey Burrito Lounge or are you going to swing by Midtown Pizza Kitchen? El Rey. Hands El Rey. down. Hands down El Rey. Absolutely. I love I, El Rey. food there is absolutely fabulous. The atmosphere is funky. The people are wonderful. And the energy on the street is marvelous yeah it is wonderful i love it myself all right so the last of our icebreaker questions here is going to be this what's the best concert that you've ever been to oh my goodness well i'm going to disappoint you again i'm old enough i didn't ever get to go to a concert is that right yeah concerts were not a thing when i was growing up probably the funnest thing i ever did in terms of going to an event like that was when I, my husband and I went to see Shelley Berman. Mm-hmm. We were seniors in high school, and I managed to scrape up enough money to buy us a pair of tickets to watch Shelley Berman perform, and what a performer he was. Wow. Bring him out of it. It's my fault. I, I scared him. See, here's the thing. See, you don't know me. I work in the office building right across the street from your store, at Southwest, and I... Uh, <laughs> And, uh, see, I was just uh, looking out of my window, and, no, it's pretty nice out, and I, uh, uh, there's a woman hanging from a window ledge on your building. She's going to fall down from there if we don't describe her what for. Well, now, you can't have any trouble finding her. She's hanging out of a window over there. Lady, I'm looking at the building right now. That's amazing. So what about, who would you say right now is your favorite person to listen to, your favorite band? I don't have a singular favorite. I love jazz, mm-hmm. particularly, you know, Dixieland jazz, New Orleans sound. Anybody that's playing New Orleans sound is fine with me. All right, so let's get to it here. Montgomery's a really amazing city. We've got a lot of history here, a lot of culture here. What are some of your favorite things about Montgomery? I guess my very favorite thing, beyond just the people, and the people here are so genuinely open, warm, friendly. Mm -hmm. But if you had to ask me about a favorite place, I have two. One is the uh, Rosa Parks Museum downtown, which I just, I think is awesome. Mm -hmm. Absolutely awesome. And the other is Grace Episcopal Church out on Pike Road, which is the most peaceful place in the entire world. So what was the process that actually led you to being one of the most successful people in your area of expertise. Where did all this start for you, Sandra? (laughs) But you believe sheer dumb luck? (laughs) (laughs) It happens that way a lot, I think. Well, that is the gospel truth. Mm -hmm. The whole story is this. I began my career with another broker to whom I give much credit for my success because he trained me extremely well, taught me the importance of putting the client ahead of the commission, taught me the importance of ongoing professional education, But we had kind of a basic dispute. From the moment I got my real estate license, I wanted to specialize in the older and historic parts of Montgomery. And he discouraged it. He told me, and you have to remember this goes back 33 years, that Cloverdale, which is what most people call the whole middle of Montgomery, Cloverdale was changing, and changing was shorthand for integrating, and would soon ceased to be anything anybody wanted anything to do with. And I just didn't accept that. I did not accept that we could not become one Montgomery. 
and do so joyfully and peacefully. So I did work a lot of suburban property in the early parts of my career. But over time, my focus became more and more and more on what we now call Midtown. Mm -hmm. Then one day, my broker announced that he had bought property on Taylor Road and was going to move his company way out there. I live in the old part of town. I did practically all my work in the old part of town, and it made no sense to me (laughs) to be officed halfway across the world. So I let him know that when he moved the company, I wouldn't be going. And it just so happened that the space which we occupy today, storefront on Fairview in uh, Cloverdale, became available within a year. Yeah, amazing location. And I learned about it when I went next door to have my shoes fixed. The man who owned the shoe shops, I had told him I was going to want to move someday, told me that the business that was here was closing and it was going to be available. And that was like April of 1993. I called the owner and we made a deal and the rest is history. I really never had planned to own a real estate company. That's incredible. But I do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's one thing that just through a little bit of research that I found out about you that I really, really like, and it's that you're so involved in in different charities and organizations. You're currently sitting on the board of directors as the vice president of Hands-On River Region, which is actually where I found a place to volunteer. So, Actually, I am the immediate past chair. Okay, I'm sorry. Information's out of date. No, that's okay. Okay. How important is it, would you say, Sandra, for young entrepreneurs and business professionals to involve themselves in their community and why? And then also, what organizations in Montgomery do you really love right now? That is a big question. If you are asking, should a young business person get involved so they can do more business, My answer would be absolutely not. Mm -hmm. That's the wrong motivation. Get involved because being involved in your community makes you a better person and a better servant of whatever public it is you've chosen to serve. Mm -hmm. The more you know about your community, the better job you can do for people. And as far as what is my front burner passion of the moment, I am heavily involved in the Landmarks Foundation. I am currently Secretary pro tem of the board. Our board secretary had to resign her position because she became our interim executive director upon the somewhat unexpected retirement of our then executive director, Bob McLean. And I volunteered to step in and take that over. And we are right now working on a search for a new permanent executive director. And because I think the work of Landmarks is so very, very important, I volunteered to serve on that search committee, and I hope to influence its choice. All right, so now we're going to move on to something that I've always found very interesting about you. Uh, You've done an amazing job of branding yourself. You've really set yourself apart. Tell us how your hats became something that has set you apart and given you this instant recognition around town. More sheer blind dumb luck. (laughs) I got, got my real estate license in June of 1981, and what most people don't know about me is that I am not a hail fellow, well-met kind of person. I don't glad hand easily. You were kind enough to call me a world-class networker, and I guess I have become so, but it is not intuitive. 
So at any rate, June of 81, by January of 82, I was just about to wash out of the real estate industry. I wasn't making much headway at all. And um, our broker had brought in a sales trainer who encouraged us to start very simply and make sure that everybody in our neighborhood knew that we were a realtor and we would love the opportunity to help them with their real estate needs. The temperature in early January of 82 fell to four degrees in Montgomery. And when it gets that cold in this town, we all babysit with our pipes. We sit carefully in the bathroom or by the kitchen sink listening for them to go snap, crackle, and pop. And I still had a heavy wool coat because this was only three years after our moving back to the South. So I put on my, and I knew everybody else would be home babysitting with their pipes too. So I put on my coat and gloves and whatnot and out I went knocking on doors because I'd only been in the business about six months and we had, had bought our house less than a year before that. So I didn't even know all the neighbors. So I'm, I was just knocking on doors, introducing myself. <laughs> The second door I knocked on had behind it a sweet little man, Ken Teasley was his name, who took one look at me and said, what in the name of time are you doing out there? And I explained. He motioned me into his foyer, and he said, now, you can't continue like this. He opened his coat closet and pulled out a brown tweed man's fedora-style hat. That's the shape I wear to this day and plunked it on my head, it fit, and he said, now, you just keep this on your head until things warm up, or you're going to get pneumonia and die, and it won't make any difference what you were doing. (laughs) That was a long winter, thankfully, I guess. And by the time spring came and the thaw began to set in, the phone at my old office had begun to ring, and people would say things like, we don't remember her name, but we want to talk to the woman in the hat. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, and I wasn't smart enough to have thought it up, but I was smart enough to figure out I had backed into something wonderful. That is such a cool story. Yeah, and it's true. That is really, really cool. I've always wondered that. Here's another one for you. What advice would you give to new entrepreneurs uh, or those who are thinking about starting a business and also are young students of business as well? Well, I probably would give them the same advice that I give to people who are thinking about undertaking a home renovation. Be prepared for it to take twice as much money and 10 times as much time as you originally anticipated. It is not easy. And people who are quote-unquote overnight successes in business have been working behind the scenes very carefully for years, I believe, in order to pull off that instant success. I think... If you are passionate about what you want to do, success will come. I think if you decide to do something for the money, it probably won't. Mm -hmm. I think folks can smell greed like an unpleasant odor. I agree with that 100%. You've got to go after what you love doing and everything else will kind of fall into place. Indeed. Uh, And while you want to listen to the advice and counsel of others, you can't let them deter you. For example, my well-intentioned broker, who really tried very hard to discourage my desire to specialize in what is now called Midtown Montgomery. Which is an amazing place that I love very much. Can I ask you a question about a time that you failed in your life, failed in business, What did you learn from that experience that helps you today? Well, I will tell you like I tell my team. Sometimes the people we least expect disappoint us in terms of 
failing to choose us to represent them when they're selling real estate. It, it happens more than one would think. And um, what I tell them is, and, and this is a little graphic, I hope it will be heard in the spirit in which I say it. I tell my team, where it comes to money, we are all whores. Mm. It's just a matter of price. A friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, did exactly that to me a couple of years ago. Probably came as close as I have come since beginning this business to just walking away from it. Right. I would mean I was devastated. Mm -hmm. And uh, not too long ago, he came to me and apologized and explained what was going on. And I said that to him, and he said, well, you know, it's true. He was facing some financial pressure, and mm -hmm. he did what he thought would be best to relieve his pressure. And I think when we expect anything but that from people, we set ourselves up to be disappointed. People do things for their own reasons, mm -hmm. and we must remember that. Rarely does it have a whole lot to do with us. It has a whole lot to do with them. Absolutely. So cautious trust. Yes. All right. It's expecting people, expecting people to put someone's best interests above their own, I mm -hmm. think, is a bit naive. Right. So, Sandra, here's an interesting hypothetical for you. And this is the question that I've actually been looking forward to answering, second to the hat, of course. If your business vanished today, but you could keep all the knowledge that you have now, what would you get up and start doing right now? Oh, wow. I would probably relocate. I would do one of two things. I would relocate to another market and start over again in real estate mm -hmm. because I sales is sales is sales is sales and right. real estate is real estate mm -hmm. or I would go into the not-for-profit world mm. and I would take the the sales experience and the marketing experience the management experience that I've gained through all these years try to make a difference in that way I love that and I would have to say that that's something that we all need to think about especially in our fields, is to try to get out there and help organizations with the things that we're blessed with uh, because they need help from so many different places, and we can just really help in such a small way that can have a very large effect for the organization. So That's very true. The, the skills that we develop in the for-profit world are so, so needed mm -hmm. in the not-for-profit world, and I wish more folks would do that. Well, I know you are a lover of historic properties, and as we've seen, Montgomery's downtown and other areas such as Cloverdale, they're seeing such a new vibrance. Uh, it's really mm -hmm. exciting. So what led you, not specifically to real estate, but what led you to focus on historic properties, to have that passion for historic properties? You know, I've asked myself that a lot. I wasn't a big student of history in school or anything. I think this is the bottom line. I'm the eldest of four children, and until I was nine, there were six of us in a two-bedroom, one-bath house. That's pretty cozy. But when we would go to my father's parents' home, they lived in a wonderful Queen Anne Victorian-era house out about 100 miles from where we lived. The rooms were huge. The ceilings were high. The windows were expansive. There was a sense of 
of release, I think, that came from being in all that space, and it marked me. I'm sure that's where it started, just the realizing how wonderful the older properties are and how much they offer us that it's awfully expensive to have in a newer property today. Well, and, and then also the social justice part of me. I do not subscribe to the theory that newer is better. And I really treasure the fact that in Cloverdale, and I'm using the term now loosely, Cloverdale, mm-hmm. in Midtown, we have old, young, rich, poor, black, white, gay, straight. We're all here and we all get along. And I think that is so important, important enough we would never want to lose it. It gives such an energy to the area. You can just, yeah, you can really feel it. You can really feel it there. Well, we know that what we do in business is, is extremely important. What would you say as far as knowing what not to do? Would you consider that as equally important as knowing what to do in business? It may be even more so. Don't be in it for the money. There's nothing wrong with making money. Money is how we pay our bills and fund our our lives. But if you're not passionate about what you're doing, you won't last for one thing. It'll just wear you out. I don't feel that my work is work. When I get up and come to the office in the morning, I'm excited about the day. I can hardly wait to see what the new day holds for me. Number one, Don't go down a road just because it looks as if there may be money at the end of that road. Number two, don't spend a whole lot of time worrying about what other people are doing. Concentrate on what you want to do and listen to advice, but keep your own counsel. I've gotten derailed a few times because I have listened to well-intentioned people and uh, I've kind of taken my eye off the prize, if you will. And it's always a bad outcome. Moving from that point, what would you say is the proudest moment of your career? When I got a uh, Lifetime Community Advocate Award from the Bright Administration some years ago when I was heavily involved in the bonds program, that meant about as much to me as anything that has ever happened. That and being named Realtor of the Year by the Montgomery Area Association of Realtors one year mm-hmm. because that's peer acknowledgement. It's not a sales award. It's a contribution award. What's one thing that, and it doesn't have to be in real estate, historic homes, what's something that really, really excites you right now? Well, I'm kind of learning at my not so tender age about design. I'm becoming more and more and more interested in why certain things look good and a lot of things don't. So that's a new interest of mine. That and the tiny house movement. I'm fascinated by that. Are you familiar with that? I am. That's really interesting. Yeah, it really is interesting. Are you talking about where they're building from reclaimed old train well, some of that, yes, some train cars mm-hmm. and shipping containers and whatnot, and uh, pieces of furniture. What comes out of it is pieces of furniture that all, are almost like children's transformer things. There, I saw a commercial, just a little clip on the internet this morning for a wall unit that opens up into bunk beds. 
you lift up, you pull down, and here's a set of bunk beds with mattresses and a ladder and everything. And it takes up, like, it looks to be about maybe 15 inches of floor space when it's collapsed. I've come to feel that we don't own much in this world. It owns us. Mm-hmm. So the less you have to put up with, the better. I think that happens as we age. I think it helps us to begin to want to shed possessions and whatnot as we're no longer able to keep up with them. And that, all of that just kind of working together, the design thing and recycling, reusing, adapting. Just I'm, I'm finding it fascinating. So here's the last question. You're the expert here, so I want to ask you this. Real estate nationally, real estate locally, where do you see it going in the next 12 months? Well, first of all, let me observe that there's no more such thing as a a national real estate market than there is a national weather forecast. Right. Real estate is local, really hyper-local, because it it changes within a community as well as from community to community. But a trend, as usual, Montgomery's running behind, and sometimes that's a good thing because we're slow to get on the bad bandwagons. Mm. Things are slowing down nationally. Because what we saw with these widely reported huge jumps in activity in the larger markets in the last couple of years was as a direct result of five years of pent-up demand. We're getting back to normal demand now, so that feels like a slowdown, although it's, it's pretty normal. Right. I think for Montgomery, we still have another year of real growth in uh, sales numbers. We still have too many homes on the market. We have almost an 11-month supply of homes for sale in Midtown. Mm-hmm. And that, will, that inventory will have to be reduced substantially before we see much in the way of increase in real value. Fantastic. Well, Sandra, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to speak with us here. I appreciate it so very much. Well, I appreciate you, Joe. And... Good luck in this new venture. It's exciting. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. So that wraps up our very first episode of Entrepreneur Montgomery. How about that? I am so honored that Sandra graciously accepted my request to be my very first guest here. She is truly an amazing lady, business person, and entrepreneur. Uh, Sandra is not really a fan of talking about herself, But boy, when she does, we all benefit from it. What a pleasure it was to take a peek under the hat. Please consider letting her know that you enjoyed the show at her Facebook page, which you can find at facebook.com forward slash Sandra Nickel Hat Team. And you can also visit her website at hatteam.com. Thank you so very much again, Sandra. I'd also like to thank my very good friend, Jared Easley, for encouraging me to start this podcast about something that I'm really passionate about. If you're not familiar with Jared yet, he interviews some of the leaders in the technology industry. He talks to New York Times best-selling authors regularly, um, and he encourages people to really follow their passions. You can find Jared at starvethedoubts.com. And I'll also leave his Twitter handle in the show notes below. Guys, really reach out to this guy. He's, he's someone that uh, is just helping the people around him. 
Uh, Thanks so much for listening to Entrepreneur Montgomery this week. I look forward to seeing you back here for the next show. Take care.